Thank you for tuning in to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. If you have not, be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight, where we have some amazing merch and plenty of other things for you guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. Where we produce and develop the highest quality gaming research in podcast form. I am your host, Alex Kendall. And I'm your host, Derek Baker. And today we're throwing it back to, at least for Derek and I, those grade school vibes of being in the computer class, popping open at a website. I know you guys have cool math games now, I believe. <laughs> I'm, I'm out of touch with the gaming of the computer schools. The, the uh, learning games. Just don't know. Yeah, the anymore. learning games, the uh, kind of off the wall stuff, and we're talking about a game from PopCap. You know, the, the the classics that you had on the website that are now coming to consoles, to phones, to kind of all these other out outside sources. Yeah, uh, you're not wrong. We used to play these games in computer class all the time. I remember having to do these packets on like how to operate Microsoft Word and trying mm-hmm. to rush through it as fast as possible so I could go onto the PopCap gaming website, play some. Feeding Frenzy, some great classic PopCap games. This one came out a little bit after we were done with that part of our lives, but definitely can see the connection, the fun, same vibes. Let's talk about the game. Plants vs. Zombies is a tower defense video game developed by George Fan and PopCap Games released May 5th, 2009. Get ready to soil your plants in an all-new action strategy game from PopCap. A mob of fun-loving zombies is about to invade your home, and your only defense is an arsenal of 49 zombie zapping plants. Use pea shooters, walnuts, cherry bombs, and more to mulchify 26 types of zombies before they can reach your front door. Each zombie has its own special skills, so you'll need to think fast and plant faster to combat them all. But be careful how you use your limited supply of greens and seas as you battle the fun dead. Obstacles like a setting sun, creeping fog, and a swimming pool add to the challenge. And with five game modes to dig into, the fun never dies. Oh, PopCap never changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's an official PopCap uh, advertisement, is it not? Well, it is, because you know what? If you don't have puns... You're not having the funds. That's, that's what that's what uh, my granddad would say uh, whenever he <laughs> played PopCap games. <laughs> no, it's, it's it is Plants vs Zombies. It's one of those games that came out at the perfect time, hit the perfect platform. You know, being mobile and obviously going uh, to having console releases, PC releases, things like that. Because it is, it's it's a tower defense game that was different than everything else. Where in you know you had to spend kind of currency to do these five lanes as opposed to these winding different ones like balloons or anything else that was out there. So I love them. I love me a good pun a day or two. Um, and let's talk about PopCap. Let's talk about the legends. PopCap was founded by Jason Kapka, Brian Fiete, 
and John Vici in 2000 and was originally called Sexy Action Cool. The name was changed to PopCap to sound a bit more, you know, family-friendly and uh, retro. So, you know, getting a, like a soda pop cap on there. Uh, yeah, I don't think our computer class, we would have been able to play sexy action cool games. But And I think, I think in today's era, it'd be really hard to Google that and find what you're looking for. Yeah. 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 You'd, f- you'd find some things, but... You'd find some stuff. Fiete and Vici met at... Co- also, just a, a disclaimer, I am butchering these names, <laughs> but these are the people who created it. <laughs> these two met at college in a programming class. Even though Vece or Vice or Ceviche was not a good programmer, he wanted to make a game with Fiete. The pair made an online game, Attack, Retrieve, Capture, or ARC, where players would control small ships and attempt to capture the opposing team's flag. Uh, Caplica, who was working for Total Entertainment Network at the time, took notice of the game and joined as producer. It was eventually published by Hoopy Entertainment Incorporated. Upon graduation, the pair would begin work for Sierra Entertainment. Unfortunately, the two were not satisfied working for Sierra's internet division, and the two would start Sexy Action Cool with Caplica. The studio's first breakout success was Bejeweled, which only took a month to develop. They first tried to sell the game to EA, which had recently purchased Total Entertainment Network, and then to Microsoft for $50,000. Both companies rejected the offer. However, Microsoft licensed Bejeweled and the trio's other game, Alchemy, for $3,000 a month. Popularity with Bejeweled grew quickly, reaching peak player counts of 60,000 players daily. With their newfound success, they changed the company name to PopCap. Understandable, especially having Daddy Microsoft with you. And they're like, well, we don't really want sexy, action, cool. Uh, let's make something more interesting. It's like all the, this is beyond, Bill Gates has moved on. He's not doing the lion parties anymore. Check uh, past episodes for reference, but this is now adult Microsoft, and we, mm-hmm. we don't want sexy action cool. Even though Bejeweled was a success, the company wasn't making a lot of money. All three employees were still working out of their apartments since they couldn't afford an office. According to Caplica, we didn't have much of a business plan, so we didn't think too much about it. We didn't get venture capital or investments. There was no real financing. We had some savings. It was just the three of us working out of our apartments. We had enough money to go for six or 12 months, maybe. That was as about as sophisticated as the plan got. So in 2001, PopCap made a downloadable version of Bejeweled so people could play the game offline for $20. The money started flowing in shortly afterwards. In 2002, they would finally get an office and hire an additional artist and a part-time office manager. The company continued to grow, hiring additional employees, including CEO David Robers. As time went on, they continued to develop simple but popular games such as Feeding Frenzy, Peggle, variations of Bejeweled, and of course, Plants vs. Zombies. And of course, you know, you got to know, these are the casual heavy hitters. You know, they're going after that mobile market. Uh, They were basically the groundwork for all these super addicting games that we have nowadays. And again, going back to computer class... This is what we had. And Bejeweled is such a huge, massive game. I mean, we mm-hmm. honestly, we could probably do an entire episode just on Bejeweled alone. It's kind of interesting how they developed it. Surprising that Microsoft decided to turn that down, in my opinion. 
But you can definitely see just that game's influence alone on all these other... I mean, you mentioned Candy Crush. Think about how many of our moms are sitting around on their phones playing Candy Crush right now. I mean, PopCap made, like they said, very simple, but just amazingly fun, addicting games. And that's really what you know brought us to Plants vs. Zombies and having that capital and having that you know wherewithal to start to put that together. So let's talk about what started to culminate as PVZ. Plants vs. Zombies creator George Fan was a fan of everything Blizzard and found himself playing <laughs> any of their releases at launch. When Warcraft 3 released, he spent most of his time in the custom map section creating his own game modes. You know, he found himself drawn to tower defense and specifically a mod within Warcraft 3 that brought about this tower defense or this idea of it. And he just would play that for hours and just kind of got sucked into it. He started working on a Java game that featured fish fighting against aliens in an aquarium, eventually becoming Insane Aquarium. Initially, his only goal was to enter into the Independent Games Festival, an annual festival held at the Game Developers Conference or the GDC, and the largest annual gathering of the indie video game industry. At the time, he was also working at another online game company where his job required research into competing companies. That's when he stumbled across PopCap. Fan felt that they produced pretty good games, and he reached out to congratulate them and say, hey, you're making good stuff over there, kids. <laughs> Keep it up. <laughs> Fan asked PopCap if they would be at GDC so he could meet them. By this time, Insane Aquarium had made it into the Independent Games Festival finals, and PopCap actually offered to release the game. Fan agreed, and while they worked together to release it, he wasn't an official employee. Eventually, they would offer him a position at the company, but he had a pending offer from Blizzard to work on Diablo 3, and that was an offer he felt he couldn't refuse. While working for Blizzard, he was still allowed to finish Insane Aquarium as long as he worked on it during evenings and weekends. Fan was miserable, since he was programming essentially every minute that he was awake. It even got to the point that his wrist started to ache from typing all day. Once the game was released in 2004, Fan decided he was more of a designer than a programmer. He knew he couldn't really keep up with the programmers at Blizzard, so he decided to be an independent developer for the time being. After finishing Insane Aquarium, Fan started considering a sequel. Around the time, Nintendo had just released the DS, and Fan had a vision of adapting the game for two screens, where Fish would build an army and defend against alien invaders. Obviously, things went in a very different direction, and Fan started conceptualizing a tower defense style game. He wanted the player to defend something that wouldn't move and that he could put a face on, and he decided plants would be the best fit. The game was originally going to have the player water plants, and once they had grown, cash them in for money to purchase cabbage catapults, all while fending off aliens. So very similar to Feeding Frenzy and a couple of those other games where over time like they drop like money or they drop you know, currency of some sort. So kind of starting with that idea. It was also going to feature the ability to create mazes to trap enemies. Fan planned on calling this game Weedlings. Its main feature would be that everything going on was featured on one screen. Fan loved tower defense games in Warcraft 3, but felt that scrolling around the map was exhausting. Fan would add zombies because no other gardening game at the time featured zombies. I Good. think that's there's probably a reason why. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know... <laughs> If that's what he needs to justify it for himself, I'm like, listen, I'm looking at other gardening games. 
There's no zombies in them. And it's like, oh, sounds good, dude. Do whatever you want. 2009 was also so hot for zombies. So, Oh, yeah. And at the time, there was a rise in the popularity of garden games, apparently, such as Garden Defense, Flower Shop, Garden Dreams, and Alice Greenfingers. Fan also wanted enemies that were slow, so you'd have time to strategize against them. Zombies were not his first consideration for a slow enemy, however. At one point, he considered plants versus snails. Which, conceptually, that makes more sense, right? Because aren't snails like a big garden enemy? Yeah, and you could have that, or just like any bugs you kind of have with it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's an interesting, yet well-worthy change. But plants versus zombies sounds way cooler than plants versus snails. I will say oh, yeah. that. Oh, absolutely. Fan did all the designs himself, starting in his sketchbook. He wanted the designs of the plants to be rather obvious and universal. If someone who did not speak English saw the pea-shooting plant, they could easily see that it was designed to shoot a projectile. The game would continue to adapt and change from there, now featuring lanes that the zombies walk down, inspired by the arcade game Tapper. You know, the old Anheuser-Busch Budweiser that eventually turned into root beer. <laughs> you know, the, the old game classics, as they do. Oh, yeah. During development, Fan was teaching his girlfriend how to play Magic the Gathering and wanted to add some of its elements into Plants vs. Zombies. He had an idea that you would build your custom deck of plants, and then every 10 to 20 seconds, a random plant would be picked from your deck and added to the field via a conveyor belt. This feature was inevitably cut. While working on the game independently, PopCap offered him a position at a new studio they opened in San Francisco, and he would finally join the company. From this, Fan had the support he would need to make the game go beyond what he felt he could do on his own. One resource he would rely on was the Burrito Forum. This was where developers at PopCap could post their current builds of their projects, and other employees could leave feedback. About every four months, a new build for Plants vs. Zombies was posted in the Burrito Forum. The forum ended up being really helpful, since in the San Francisco office, it was just him and one other developer working on the game. Luckily, PopCap was pretty hands-off with the development. And to jump back real quick, you know, they talked about the conveyor belt, dropping them on there. It was cut, yet added back in for a lot of the mini-games. You know, there's one where you go bowling with the walnuts, and they slowly come across the conveyor belt. And there's a couple other really cool ones, mini-game-wise, that they added to have that in there. So it was cut from the main idea of the game, but added in with those mini-games. At one point, the game was going to be called Lawn of the Dead. But Fan couldn't get Night of the Living Dead's creator George Romero's permission to use the name. Fan had created a video where he was a zombie programmer, showing a glimpse into what the game would be like, but Romero wasn't sold. Fan went back to the drawing board and ended up using the name that was a placeholder for the prototype of the game, Plants vs. Zombies. Hey, it stuck. It was, it was weird enough to be like, what is this thing? I'm not really understanding what this is, <laughs> but simple enough that you knew exactly what you were getting into. Oh, yeah. It seemed like he really wanted to come up with some kind of complicated name. Call it Weedlings. Call it, mm -hmm. you know, Lawn of the Dead is pretty good. but It's pretty good. You know, they're very <laughs> punny, as, as we heard earlier. Oh, yeah. Dude loves his puns. But I think Plants vs. Zombies works, especially because in those, those 08s, those aughts, there was a lot of titles, this versus this this versus this. So I think that worked out as well of the timing and era of it. The very one side versus the other title, it made sense. It brought people in and it obviously stuck. So 
later down the road, when players tested the game who were not familiar with RTS games, were favoring the pea shooters over the sunflowers. So those who weren't used to like managing resources or anything like that, they just wanted the pew pew pew, not the make my currency thing, <laughs> and losing most of the games they played. This was because the pea shooter and sunflower both cost 100 sun points. The decision was made to change the price of sunflower from 100 to 50, which would end up drastically changing the decisions that people made, leading to a more balanced game type. Because I think the suns produce 25 sun currency each time a sun pops out. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense to do that and have it at 50 instead of like equalizing your offense cost. Right. About halfway through development, fan thought of a much-loved movie he saw as a kid, Swiss Family Robinson, which featured a scene in which people set up traps for an oncoming invasion. He went on to add the potato mine into the total set of characters uh, to take on oncoming zombies. So it would be planted in the ground, eventually pop up as a little, like, mine, and then it would detonate and then wipe out, I think, within three-lane radius, you know, what was around it. So the game overall took three and a half years to develop, and was actually ready to ship at two and a half years in, but fan felt that they needed to spend a considerable amount of time polishing up the game, along with adding all the minigames and hidden secrets. After the game was released, it was brought to Steam. Fan was worried that since it was priced less than what was on the website, it would hurt the profit margin, but he was told that it's a different audience. One platform that they weren't initially ready for was the iPhone, since during development of the game, the iPhone didn't actually exist. Yeah, so imagine that. You know, if you're working on a console, obviously you get the upgrades. Maybe someone's jumping in the market. Now it's like, hey, by the way, smartphones are a thing. Best of luck. Eventually, the iOS version of the game would become the reason that it was popular, ironically enough. Um, but initially, the iOS version didn't have survival or challenge mode. But since it was the most popular version of the game, the features were added. PopCap was still updating the iOS version of the game two to three years after it had released. The Xbox Live Arcade version also saw changes. Initially, the game was developed with a mouse and keyboard in mind, making actions a lot quicker than what could be performed with an Xbox controller. For instance, the sun points appeared a bit more frequently to make the game a little more casual. The analog movement was also adapted to have a freeform feel to navigate the field, replicating someone using a mouse. Overall, the game proved to be as successful as the iOS port on the Xbox Live Arcade. In 2009, EA, who had the chance to buy Bejeweled for 50000 by the way, probably maybe start a good relationship with PopCap Games. They actually acquired PopCap Games for $750 million after the success of Plants vs. Zombies. So this is one of those actually positive stories instead of like the Yahoo of like, I'm not selling, I'm not selling. Okay, let's sell for a couple bucks. You pass, and again, hindsight is always 2020, but you pass up on this 50 grand offer of like, hey, we have this whole li back library. We're bringing on some cool developers. We have some cool stuff coming. And so, you know, you wanted a piece of that pie. It is a happy story for this part for PopCap Games and the people that founded it. But I will say that after EA acquired PopCap Games, they laid off a ton of people because they wanted to focus specifically on the mobile gaming. And George Fan was mm -hmm. one of those casualties. So he actually he made the plans for zombies, made the success, and then they fired George Fan once EA took that game on. Yeah, super unfortunate with it. But I mean, 
it's still leading a success, I would say. Now, when it comes to the marketing, uh, it was obviously kind of hard to do. You know, PopCap wasn't really known for doing a lot of this, just having those kind of PC games, like I said, the computer class games, basically. And so they actually put out this music video that was done by Lara Shigahara, who was fan's girlfriend at the time, and she came on to work uh, as in sound for the company. And it's a fantastic, goofy music video that no one thought was a real thing. And it's the sunflower on a stage, you know, singing zombies are on your lawn. Zombies are on your lawn. It's, it's, I, I, I think I sound better right there, but the song is okay, I would say. I would definitely listen to your cover. Oh, thank you very much. Um, and it's pretty fantastic. It's her singing as a sunflower with all these zombies dancing. And it basically starts to talk about some of the mechanics of the game and what happens if they make it into your house. So it was this thing people thought was like a weird spoof or just like a, <laughs> just a, an oddity out there. But in fact, it was real. And, and about a week or two later, an official trailer came out for the game that confirmed that it was real, I guess, is the best way to say that, even though <laughs> PopCap released it on their official YouTube page. I mean, So it was one of those things that you just don't know. Yeah, 2009, Wild West of internet videos. So You never know. And it was interesting, too, because people at the time thought, since this marketing came so late in the game, it released pretty much right after that. They weren't sure if, like, did they have a marketing budget? Was the game changed a lot in those times? I think the reality of it was it's PopCap. They don't really build this market up. I mean, yeah, you had a backing on Microsoft for Bejeweled and other casual classics, but this to them was hardcore gaming, you know, as opposed to the other just point-and-click adventure stuff. Right. So so it was there. Again, it it made its way, and we're going to talk about this later because it made its way everywhere you know very similar to how angry birds or any of those other really early ios games and software at the time kind of invaded everywhere pvz did that as well but let's jump over let's talk about the game a bit more and let's start with the two characters we're going to meet outside of that it's just the plants and or the zombies but let's go in let's talk about crazy dave david blazing known within the game as crazy dave serves as a narrator and an instructor during adventure mode, introducing the player to certain levels and explaining some of the mini-games and bonus levels. He is later abducted by a bungee zombie on level 5-10, right before he can tell the player Dr. Zomboss's weaknesses, and reappears during Sunflower's rendition of Zombies on Your Lawn after Dr. Zomboss's defeat at the end of the game. He has a shop known as Crazy Dave's Twitty Dinkies that he runs from the back of his car once the player finds his car keys after level 3-4. He sells several plant upgrades, extra defenses, and zen garden items. Crazy Dave's notable features include a rugged beard and a pot always worn on his head, as well as his signature babbling speech. Oh, do we love Crazy Dave. (laughs) And then we also had Dr. Zomboss that Derek was bringing up, which is Dr. Edgar George Zomboss who is the main antagonist and the leader of the zombies in Plants vs. Zombies, and reappears in the sequel, Plants vs. Zombies 2, It's About Time! (laughs) He he is battled on the night roof during level 510 as the final boss in Plants vs. Zombies. The name Zomboss is a, you know, mix of zombie and boss, you know. It's pretty clever, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it. While the Zombot, the machine used by Dr. Zomboss in the game, is a mixture of, hold on, zombie and robot so Whoa. if you if you're looking for a little hashtag english detailed walkthrough 
You're welcome. You are blowing my mind right now. I'm taking care of you right here. <laughs> and so according to an interview with Fan, Dr. Zomboss's middle name, George, was not intended to be named after him. He was just like, hey, it sounded like a great middle name for a zombie overlord boss character. Now, this is where I think George Fan is wrong. I'm going to have to disagree. The best middle name is always just J. Dr. Edgar mm-hmm. J. Zomboss is Ooh, way, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, just put a J in there. Or, you know, if it's not a J, an initial. You, you have to keep a little mystique when it comes to villains. Oh, yeah. And you have to have that Mysterium wrapped around him. Like, what could that J be? What could <laughs> H be? Who knows? Well, maybe he felt like because there was so much mystery between Zom, boss, what Ooh. does it mean? True, true, true. And, and people might not know that it is a mixture of two words, just knock two letters off it, basically. <laughs> that's, a tough, that's a tough one to call out. I'm, I'm glad. Hey, this is why we're making this podcast for you guys, for these type of details. Yes. The things that only Alex and Derek in the Finish the Fight Gaming podcast can unravel. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet... You can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Let's talk about unraveling some gameplay. In Plants vs. Zombies, players place different types of plants and fungi, each with their own unique offensive or defensive capabilities, around a house in order to stop a horde of zombies from reaching their house. The playing field is divided into five to six horizontal lanes, and with rare exceptions, a zombie will only move toward the player's house along one lane. Planting costs sun, which can be gathered for free during daytime levels and by planting certain plants or fungi. Most plants can only attack or defend against zombies in the lane that they're planted in. In later levels, players can purchase upgrades with different offensive and defensive abilities. The game uses several different level types and layouts. It starts out in a front yard and progresses to nighttime levels, where the gameplay is more challenging without any replenishing sun unless specific plants are used. Other levels feature the backyard with a pool added. The next levels are nighttime pool levels where fog fills the right half of the screen, except when specific plants are used, a lightning storm level in pitch black, except when illuminated by occasional flashes of lightning, and rooftop levels on the final level, the player must face a huge robot operated by a mad scientist zombie known as Dr. Zomboss. And to clarify, that is the Zombot, the, uh, the zombie robot. <laughs> oh. just, just to clarify there. Oh. You know. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I didn't know. Oh, you're very welcome. Appreciate that. At set points throughout the game, the player is either warned through a letter by zombies or addressed by Crazy Dave to prepare for an ambush 
where the game takes on a bowling style using walnuts to bowl down zombies or a modified version of regular levels where random plant types come upon a small selection and the player can use the plants without spending sun. So again, bringing back that conveyor belt idea where it's so much of somewhat of a randomization of those plants and you just kind of plant them down as they come through. So you have a limited source of them. You just want to pay a cost. The player starts with a limited number of seed pack types and seed pack slots that they can use during most levels. The number of slots can be increased through purchases with in-game currency. At the start of a level, the player is shown the various types of zombies to expect and given the opportunity to select which seed packs to take into the level. Several plants are nocturnal, such as mushrooms, having a lower sunlight cost, which are ideal for those nighttime levels where you're not getting anything produced just from the, you know, the big old sun in the sky itself. Certain plants are highly effective against specific types of zombies, such as the magnet shroom, which can remove metallic items from zombies, such as helmets, buckets, ladders, and pogo sticks. The zombies also come in a number of types that have different attributes, in particular speed, damage tolerance, and abilities. Zombies include those wearing makeshift armor, those who can jump or fly over plants, and a dancing zombie able to summon other zombies from the ground. At various points, the player will be inundated with a huge wave of zombies, which once you finish a certain section, you'll see on this little tracker, it's kind of like a little line graph that coming up is a huge wave, so you might want to save up resources for it or start you know, planting like, what do I need to beef up? If a zombie reaches the end of a lane, a lawnmower will shoot forward and destroy all the zombies in that lane. However, if a zombie reaches the end of the same lane for a second time, it will reach the player's house. When this happens, the music changes and other plants and zombies stop moving while that zombie enters the house. Crunching sounds will be heard, accompanied by a scream and a message saying, the zombies ate your brains. The game will then end and display the game over dialog box, along with an option to return to the main menu or, you know, repeat that level. So let's talk about the game modes. The primary game mode is adventure mode, in which the player can earn money to spend at an in-game store to buy new seed packets and other bonuses. There are also mini-games and puzzles. In the Xbox Live Arcade, PlayStation Network, and Nintendo DS versions, there's also a co-op mode as well as two-player mini-games and a versus mode on Xbox and PlayStation. In the adventure mode, there are five different areas and 50 different area levels, each area containing 10 levels, basically. They're shown with the area number first, followed by the level number, i.e. 1-10 in the game, uh, like Super Mario Bros. Mm-hmm. Each level in this mode has a certain amount of flags and one final wave. The adventure mode is the first game mode and is also the main mode. Many games are unlocked from there. For whatever reason, there also exists an unused adventure mode stage, albeit one that cannot be accessed from the regular Limbo page. It's a duplicate of level 5-9, but takes place in the day, and pea shooter zombies appear at level 6-49. Yeah, so we're going to talk about the Limbo page coming up and some cut materials that are taken away, added. You know, it's, it's very similar to a lot of those other games that have world level selects like this, like even in Super Mario. There's hidden or secret levels that weren't meant to be hidden or secret. It's just programmers are like, I don't know, just stash it over there for now. No one's going to find it. And then, oops, it's found. So let's jump over to those mini games and to where we're going to see some of them later, possibly in that limbo page. 
Mini games are a collection of levels that have the player choose plants, use a conveyor belt to provide plants, or force the player to use a set of plants to complete a certain goal. There are a total of 28 mini games altogether, with some of those being exclusive to specific versions for the console, different iOS, Android versions, and the such. These mini games include various unique twists, such as smaller zombies and zombies with plants for heads. Mini games can be found for the first time in a present dropped by a zombie in level 3-2 on Adventure Mode. The mini games initially available are Zombotany, Walnut Bowling, and Slot Machine. What does Zombotany mean? Zombotany, I believe, is where the zombies have plant heads. So you can have like a pea shooter coming at you that's shooting you. So they kind of like flip-flop what you're doing. Yeah, but what does the word mean? Oh, oh, excuse me, excuse me. You know what, you're right, let me... Flip, 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 flip through my book here. I believe that is <laughs> zombie, uh, the word for an undead creature, and botany, the uh, study and practice of plants. Oh. Um, uh, uh, very uh, akin to uh, Harry Potter, uh, where they have one Harry Potter book and or movie oh. that they talk about mandrakes and uh, botany classes. So uh, uh, we're just here to learn you guys today. Dr. Alex J. Kendall. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so the player can unlock many more minigames after the completion of Adventure Mode. Each minigame yields one trophy, which is worth a diamond after the first completion, and a bag with five gold coins in subsequent plays. On the iPhone, iPod Touch, classic, and the iPad, some of the minigames must be purchased from Crazy Dave's Twiddly Dinkies. You know, the old, <laughs> the old Twiddly Dinkies. <laughs> and that being a, uh, oh, two words put together, uh, Twitty, um, Kanye, Kanye. And, uh, excuse Con- me, Conway. Oh. <laughs> Kanye Twitty. I, I got like that mixed it. up with uh, some, some great uh, memeage out there. A nice uh, country rap crossover. Absolutely. And then uh, uh, Dinkies, uh, uh, the cousin to the Twinkies, and, uh, but smaller. So in addition to those mini games, there's puzzles. And they consist of 18 levels from two different modes. Vase Breaker, where you break vases that either contain a plant seed or a zombie or some sun for cherry bombs. And I, Zombie, where you create zombies to destroy cardboard cutouts of plants. There's a survival mode, which is the second largest game mode in Plants vs. Zombies. It involves two difficulties as hard and normal, and also has different areas. Each normal round has five flags, and each hard round has ten flags. It also has an endless streak level as the final level. The game features a Zen garden where players can care for plants that they previously purchased from Crazy Dave's Twitty Dinkies. Players can also buy other Zen garden areas for different plants. Fertilizer, water, and bug spray are necessary for a plant to grow. Plants will only grow when the game has been running for enough time. So, in addition to those, there were some canceled minigames before the release Uh, They could be found on the Limbo page. The developers didn't publish a visible link to this page, and it must be accessed through a cheat engine. There are 22 minigames in total within the Limbo page, some of which were alternates to other published levels. So it might be a day mode, if there was a night mode, you know, there might be fog set in. So just variations that were there of other minigames or other puzzle levels. So it was kind of a mixture of both that I think really were just the tries of like, Oh, yeah, daytime works better. Just throw that in the code somewhere. No one will find it. Right. I, it's definitely down to like that programming idea of it. So in addition to the canceled minigames, there was some other cut material, a peanut with a monocle, 
This was cut because PopCap likely would have been sued for it. Yeah, you know, it does resemble, um, you know, everyone's favorite uh, baby peanut. You know, uh, it's the only one that's ever had a monocle and everyone <laughs> loves the baby version of whatever that, you know, that, that weird adult one was. Everyone sure. loves that weird baby. Sure. <laughs> a carrot that's rocking out was also cut. A mm-hmm. potato with a mustache was cut and maybe a Mr. Potato Head reference. Possibly. Uh, yeah. There was a time stopper plant, and then each mission actually started with 200 sun points. So definitely reduced down, I think, to have a little bit more, I don't know, difficulty, but a little more challenge with it. Because otherwise you're like, one, two, three, four, all right, suns are, sun plants are already down, I'm good to go. You know, so they, they wanted at least something of a challenge. All right, so let's move on to the music, the magic, the l- mystery behind that music video, <laughs> and Laura and what she brought to the project. So the Plants vs. Zombies original soundtrack was written by Lara Shigahara, who joined the project from the very beginning of its creation. Shigahara grew up in California in an area where career paths were very rigid, and she went to school at the University of California, Berkeley, for international relations and business. She played with sequencing software a friend of hers bought and created her own video game music while also learning about sound engineering and arranging music. Despite being offered to record an album in Japan, Shigahara refused. Instead, she worked several music-related jobs after school and was offered the chance to write the music for a video game. After the company told Shigahara that they really liked the music and Shigahara declined any pay, the company offered a lot of paid work for her following that game's release. So she was very much, no, 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 you know, I'm new to this. It was just fun to create. Thanks for having me on board. And like, hey, uh, Cool, appreciate that. Anyway, we want to keep you around, so we're going to give you a lot more paid work after this, which unfortunately slash fortunately does happen in the creative world of like, do something for free and we'll see if you're good, and then we might pay you later. So kind of what happened with this. And after working for some time, Shigahara had a large enough portfolio and contact list to end up working with the Plants vs. Zombies project. When creating the actual music, Shigahara was able to play the game and experience how the engine ran and found that the game contained three major style aspects that she wanted to focus on. These were the zombies' like macabre feel, the charming and cuteness of the art style, and the overall ridiculous humor of the game. Shigahara grew up listening to the Mega Man soundtrack and used this inspiration mixed with the orchestration style of film composer Danny Elfman to come up with her ideas. For the macabre feel, Shigahara implemented gothic classical elements into the music, including lots of half-steps and minor scales. Cuteness was achieved by trying to create catchy melodies and harmonies based on modern pop music and traditional NES and Super NES era music. Wacky percussion combinations were then used to make the soundtrack sound silly overall. And the mixture of big band style and swing beats with that gothic classical instrumentation were added that uniqueness to the overall game to give it that vibey feel that wasn't a SNES classic, wasn't a, you know, NES. It it was its own feel. I just imagine Shigahara sitting down and not playing Mega Man, but just listening to the Mega Man music. She's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, this is is it. it. This is my jam. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Shigahara would also write the ending song, which was directly inspired by Portal's end credits song, which... 
was probably my favorite rock band jam of all time. Side note. Oh, absolutely. A little, little, little JC going on, a little Jonathan Colton. That's right. Popcap wanted their own ending song, and Shigahara would spend weeks choreographing how zombies would dance to it, as well as recording the vocals in both English and Japanese. The marketing department at PopCap actually loved it so much that they used it to promote the game as one of the only ways the game was marketed. Yeah, so a la back to our music video where they're like, is this a real thing or <laughs> is this just a, what are we doing, PopCap? The Plans for Zombies original soundtrack was released by Lauren Shigahara on her Bandcamp page on November 22nd, 2010 for $4. It contains 29 tracks for a total of 61 minutes, 48 seconds. The soundtrack was very well received and critics applauded it for its simplicity and ability to showcase the Plants vs. Zombies universe orally. Shigahara would go on to win a Game Audio Network Guild Award for her work on the project. And in 2020, singer-songwriter Billie Eilish and her brother Phineas revealed that they used the theme song from Plants vs. Zombies for heavy inspiration during the hook in the song Bad Guy. So here's the thing. Without PVZ, there's no Billy. So Plants vs. Zombies has created modern pop, basically. <laughs> it's pretty... That's, that's all you gotta know. That's pretty insane, man. I, I don't know. Billie Eilish. What, a, what an interesting person. She, uh, I also love the Office references in her song. I mean, it's cool to see someone who just embraces not just like the current pop culture, but also things that they grew up just loving, watching, and, and making that into a incredibly popular art form yeah and, and you know taking their own like you said like taking it in their own stride not just of the time but what influenced them so hey pvz is up there so i mentioned this earlier and i wanted to talk about the crazy amount of releases that at least the first plants versus zombies has had i mean obviously we have many iterations later on pvz2 garden warfare where they get into more of that you know def- 3d shooter realm plenty of other stuff but as far as the original pvz we have the original PC version, Game of the Year edition, Nintendo DS, Nintendo DSiWare, iOS, Android, on the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and Xbox One, on the Nook, the classic reading device. You gotta have the PVZ on that. Of course. We have three that were China only, Journey to the West, Great Wall Edition, and Android TV, and then the Plants vs. Zombies free edition, which was just kind of a showcase on a couple other devices. As, as well, I will say, it made a somewhat splash onto the BlackBerry as well. Rest in peace. But onto the BlackBerry, you also had PVZ. Oh, baby. Those meme stocks. BlackBerry, very much alive. Coming back. Oh, yeah. They're, they're back. And it's all because of Plants vs. Zombies. <laughs> I'm going to put an asterisk. Audience, asterisk by that quote. <laughs> <laughs> So how was this game received? While the game was in development, some at PopCap felt that the game was not going to sell well. They were known for making casual games, and Plants vs. Zombies to them felt like a hardcore strategy game compared to the rest of their portfolio. Though George Fan did try to balance the game to make it a little more easygoing, the end result still proved to be a success. Before it shipped, Fan sent the game to some of his former co-workers at Blizzard and all of them told him that they played the game start to finish and loved every second of it. Fan's parents also completed the game, who had not really played video games at all. And I feel like that is a real testament to how well-balanced the game ultimately was. Mm -hmm. 
To date, Plants vs. Zombies is the fastest-selling video game created by PopCap Games. According to PopCap, the iOS release of Plants vs. Zombies sold more than 300,000 copies in the first nine days it was available on the App Store, generating more than $1 million in gross sales. And they considered it the top-grossing iPhone launch. In one year alone, it was downloaded over 15 million times on PC, Mac, iOS, and Xbox Live Arcade. The game was so addicting that in the Philippines, a prison guard was playing Plants vs. Zombies on his phone so much, he didn't notice that a prisoner snuck the keys off of his belt and escaped with three other inmates. See, PVZ has got a hold everywhere. (laughs) It's taking control. (laughs) IGN editor Andy J. Kolsky commented that it featured a lot more content than other games in the genre, as well as praising its addictive nature. Shout out to the Philippines. <laughs> However, <laughs> the DS version was criticized for its lower quality graphics and expensive price point compared to the other. GameSpot editor Chris Waters praised the design of the plants and zombies, as well as the visuals and its overall value. However, he found fault in the learning curve. I disagree. OneUp.com editor Alice Liang found the game enjoyable, commenting that the lawnmowers that protect the left side of the screen strikes a good balance between ease of use and in depth gameplay. Edge's review praised PopCap Games for adding an imaginative touch to every little detail of the game. They also credited them for taking the tower defense genre and making it their own. And that, like I said, fully agree with. It, it took it from this, this, you know, towers where you'd upgrade them to having these plants of these different five lanes that wouldn't really change. Cool idea. Laura Shigahar's music video also received praise, with Hatfield attributing his interest in the game to the video. Liang also praised the song, asking how anyone could not want Plants vs. Zombies after seeing the video. Hey, they're, they're right. The reviewers are like, hey, man, you see that catchy tune? If you give me a toe-tapping tune, I'd be toe-tapping to the store to buy this game. <laughs> Once we actually figure out what, what this is. What is well, Of this? course. Of course. <laughs> not only did it earn an 87 out of 100 on Metacritic, the game won dozens of awards, including Puzzle Game of the Year from PC Gamer, Casual Game of the Year from the Chicago Sun-Times, and Top 5 Games of 2009 from MTV. After the game was released, PopCap wanted to quickly create a sequel, but Fan had felt he released a game that he was proud of, and he didn't have any desire to create another one. He just wanted to make another new IP. Though he wasn't directly involved with Plants vs. Zombies 2, he would sometimes advise the team working on it on what to do. The game has had a lasting effect for years to come. Homages include the Grave Bramble card from Magic the Gathering, which Fan has over 100 copies of, and a reference in World of Warcraft, Cataclysm. Blizzard put their own version of Plants vs. Zombies in the expansion titled Peace Bloom vs. Ghouls. The game did come with some controversy. Originally, the dancing zombie resembled Michael Jackson from the short film Thriller. Though the Jackson-inspired zombie was present in the game before Jackson's death, the estate of Michael Jackson objected to its inclusion more than a year after his death, and so PopCap agreed to remove the Jackson-inspired zombie and replace it with a more generic disco-dancing one for all future patches and releases of the game. A disclaimer in the game's almanac states, any resemblance between dancing zombie and any persons living or dead is purely coincidental. So I, I do remember that update. I'm, I'm a classic pop capper, some might say. I'm a, I'm a, a PC pro, <laughs> pop cap pro. Um, I do remember those arrows. 
So Plants vs. Zombies is a franchise that has grown beyond tower defense, finding its way into the shooter and card game genres. The original game alone has had dozens and dozens of versions over different countries, different continents, all over. And though it was considered a more hardcore quote-unquote pop-cap game for them, its casual nature has found its way onto millions of phones, consoles, PCs, TVs, nooks, Blackberries, and the likes. The cartoony art style, simplistic gameplay, and humorous elements in the game were able to skyrocket it to becoming a pop culture phenomena. Plants fighting zombies is a concept that easily could not have worked on paper, but Fan took that paper and said, hey, just put it on the computer and it works. <laughs> the multi-million dollar franchise simply started with an independent developer who had a vision for a game that no one else had seen before. And to this day, the original Plants vs. Zombies is regarded by some as the classico, the marinara, the classic sauce of the genre. You always find a way to just Italian it up. I like it. Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that's our coverage of Plants vs. Zombies, the OG of the weird tower defense style out there. And as always, Derek, start us off. Why did we choose this game and what do you think? Plans for Zombies, just a really unique concept, weird fun. And I think you and I love weird fun games where mm -hmm. it's just something kind of off the wall. And Plans for Zombies <laughs> uh, is just one of those matchups that shouldn't work for any conceivable reason. And yet mm -hmm. somehow it does. I'm going to keep this one a little a little shorter than normal. I sure, sure. I like tower defense games. I think they're perfect for the iOS format. One of the very first things that I got on my iPod Touch was just a normal like tap defense game. I you know, I think this was pre Plants vs Zombies. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely like very familiar with those games and have fun with them, but because I had played games like that so much on my iPod Touch and um things like that. Like I'd never got super heavily invested in Plants vs. Zombies. It's a fun, like time passing game for me. Oh yeah. But it wasn't something that I found so addicting that I just couldn't put it down nonstop, you know? And I, th I think that's perfect for like iOS mobile gaming, things like that. To me personally though, I don't really get into those games that much anymore. I played a little bit of Candy Crush, you know, just stuff to kind of pass the time. But Mm -hmm. that's sort of what this game became for me. Um, very, very casual, maybe like an in-between classes thing while I have 15 minutes. And I think in a lot of ways, that's how it was designed. And so it succeeded at that. If I had to give this game a rating, which I will do on the scale of 10, the classic scale of 10, I'd give it a six for me. Like I said, it's, it is really, really casual. It is it is good casual fun too, but um, just not something that I found myself like waiting to get out to play or anything like that. You know what I mean? Sure, sure, sure. You're wrong, but anyway, let's move over to me. Most important thing, a, it's a me, Alex. <laughs> and so let's let's it's uh, a me. It's a me, Alex. Talking about my plants. Uh, so let's talk about it. So Plants vs Zombies, and to reiterate what we said that this is one of the favorites. Unfortunately, with Plants vs. Zombies 2, and the same thing happened with Garden Warfare 2, they both became pay-to-play. Mm. Like, hey, remember that cherry bomb? Ooh, that's $3 real currency. Oh, remember that other thing? Ooh, you got to buy stuff with money. And actually, just real quick, I think the rumor is that that is one of the things George Fan really disagreed with with EA. Yes. So and that was 
probably a big reason why he was let go. Yeah, it, it's a pretty much it. He stayed on to consult because he was the idea guy behind it and he had it. But the original one had things you could do to purchase in-game currency, but it wasn't predatory and you could earn that currency. You know, I think it was like 10 bucks got you a diamond pack with some golds. Whereas if you had played the mini games and played the adventure mode, you could continue to build those up and get those plants. PVZ2 changed that and made you have to spend money. Or it's like, hey, you want to watch like 30 minutes of ads to like play your next level? So that's really where both sequels went down the hill. But let's talk about the first one. Let's get back to it. It's a classic. I know joke. Before we even discuss talking about this episode or like having it on the docket, I played it on the Xbox because I was like, what's an easy game I can like mindlessly do nothing to? And it holds up like both on iOS or Android, whichever you're playing on and on the Xbox. It holds up. It's a fun game. It's a fun time waster. The, the humor, you know, is dated back to oh hey but it's still there the puns are fun it's dumb fun and if you haven't played it check it out man it's on game pass pretty much free most everywhere else or a couple bucks if that definitely worth checking out so if i had to give it a rating i would give it the military peace shooter guy that shoots really quickly he's great but defend that with the screen door zombie mixed with newspaper old man uh, heart boxer zombie tough call right there i know what i'm saying that's what i'm saying Divide that by me never using any of the defenses because offense is the best offense and offense is the best defense, as everyone knows. So I did that. But then, but then, throw in the pogo zombies. Oof, you got issues. Out of saving my garden and Crazy Dave's twiddly winky dinky things out of 2008. Thank you very much. Very nice. For, for that. Very nice. I, I'm oh, really you. excited to see that one pop up on the wikis. Oh, absolutely. Research for this episode was done by Alex Kinnell, Derek Baker, and Evan Barr. The intro and outro music was recorded and composed by Evan Barr. And as always, you love them, you hate them, you want to work with them, you don't want to work with them, you just have other cool things to say about them. Maybe not. Great people. But let's move on. Let's move on to the people who make this possible, who support us and truly appreciate it. Those are our patrons over at our patreon.com slash finish the fight page. Check that out today. You get some bonus content, episodes, stickers, shirts, all the works. And want to thank those who support us today. And let's start with Tactics, Sky the Bear, Grant Dillon, Mr. Choff, Cowan Fong Feliciano, Alex Harper, Nick Hyman, Tuna0317, Brandon Christian, Richard Scanlon, McChief, Big Papa Semechki, Climbing Spork, Mr.1898, William Kroll, Cameron Collier, and Mr. Toot. So thank you all for the support, and uh, check it out today if you have not. And if you haven't yet, give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and join our Discord. It's free to join. It's a lot of fun. Alex and I hang out there, love interacting with the community, great group of people, and we'd love to see you there. Yeah, and just two more shout-outs from me. If you haven't, check us out over at twitch.tv slash sourman70. That's S-O-U-R-M-A-N-7-0. We are on playing games, doing some fun little... Uh, editing streams, a bunch of other cool stuff. And if you haven't, check out our Etsy shop. Link is below wherever you're looking. Um, and we have some updated prints, some updated merch in there to check out, some new FTF things. If you're, if you're craving that, if you're missing that, that little hole in your life that needs FTF, it's there. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And if you haven't yet, please give us a review. The feedback helps us out a lot and we'd love to hear from you. And again, with that, that was our episode on Plants vs. Zomboids. If you haven't, check it out. 
not the episode, you're at the end of this. You've probably checked it out already, but check yeah. the game out. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, I am your host, Alex Kendall. And I'm your host, Derek Baker. And this has been Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast.